Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mauser.com slash empowering innovation. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it is all about the OLED Switch. There's a brand new Switch model that Nintendo just dropped on us out of the blue, but it's not quite what we were expecting. It is not the Switch Pro, and we're going to dive into what is going on there. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget Podcast, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that's always super helpful. And uh, you can join us Thursday mornings around 10 a.m. Eastern to see us do a live stream of this podcast recording. Join us on our YouTube channel. You can chat with us and we'll do some Q&A. It's always a fun time. You could also email us at podcast at Engadget.com and uh, we can bring up your questions on the air down the line. So let's talk about this OLED switch. And to really break it down, we have Patrick Lucas Austin, technology columnist at Time, to chat Woo-hoo! about it. Hey, Patrick. What's going on, guys? Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we've been hearing rumors <laughs> for months about a new switch, right? It's going to do everything. Oy. It's going to do 4K. It's going to have an OLED screen. It's going to be bigger. It's going to like blow away all other switches. Um but this device really isn't that. Patrick, you want to break down, like, what, what are the basic upgrades here? And we will talk about what's missing after that. Yeah, um, it seems like the world <laughs> wanted a Nintendo Switch that, you know, that slices and dices and, you know, does all the mm-hmm, exactly. all those cool features. 4K, bigger screen, uh, better graphics, new processor, Bluetooth support. Uh, but we didn't yeah, really a whole get a uh, system basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't really get uh, much of any of that. We got a new switch with mm-hmm. a slightly bigger screen and a slightly updated screen, and it seems slightly better speakers. And that seems to be yep. the the big the big leap forward when it comes to the Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo Switch OLED. They're calling it. It seems. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bigger kickstand. They're fixing like all the small design flaws from the the original Switch. There's a wider kickstand, which looks similar to like the Surface, the you know Microsoft Surface computers. There's Ethernet on the dock. There there are like little minimal upgrades. Uh, I do like the fact that this bigger screen. It's a seven inch OLED, and we'll talk about the benefits of OLED in a bit too. But the screen itself fits within the same like box, the same case as the original Switch. So it's just less bezel, you know? It, it is a slightly more futuristic or slightly more modern-looking switch, at least. Question, question. Any any updates to battery size with the OLED? No, no. No, no, no. updates. Oh, boy. 
This is Nintendo. Sherlyn, oh you're going to learn the joys of Nintendo. Like, we're here talking about Samsung. Every six months, like, adds a new hardware feature or something. Nintendo's like, nah, bro. Like, you're good with three to four years of the same hardware. We're going to throw you a small bone. We're going to charge you $50 more. This Switch is $350, you know, $50 more than the original Switch and $150 more than the Switch Lite. Um, This is Nintendo. Nintendo, like, just has its own rules. What were your first impressions when you saw this thing? Because we'll get into, like, the Internet dynamic, because I think a lot of people felt disappointed because of those rumors of something Nintendo never announced, right? People mm. whip themselves up getting hyped for like 4K upscaling. Um, but that n- nobody ever said that was actually happening. Mm. But so it's weird to get disappointed based on internet rumors. But Patrick, how, how are your feelings on this thing? Um, yeah, I think you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head in terms of expectations because the internet is really good at drumming of rumors and then leaving uh, everyone disappointed when the actual <laughs> product comes out. You know, it doesn't have right, X, Y, Z feature that you expected. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, it's kind of your fault for expecting it because the company never <laughs> said they were bringing it out, you know? <laughs> um, that, that being said, this update, you know, from Nintendo doesn't really surprise me. It's very much in mm-hmm. line mm-hmm. with Nintendo's strategy as a whole. You see in this kind of behavior when it comes to something like the, you know, you can go as far back as the as the uh, as the Game Boy. You know, you've got the Game Boy, mm-hmm. then you've got the smaller yeah. Game Boy Pocket. You've got the Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color. You know, oh. like yeah, three different. I was so variations annoyed when that came out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure because it it kind of. You know, it differentiated that it differentiated the market, or you know, fractured the market in in such a way that wasn't really a full fracture. But you got these upgraded features mm-hmm. if you got a Game Boy Color, you got color games. <laughs> um, you seen it with the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance, the uh, Game Boy Advance SP. There was a SP, Game Boy Advance like yeah. Micro. Um, mm. So with the DS as well, Nintendo really has a history of making these small updates <laughs> to their handheld consoles that. Don't really, uh-huh. don't really hit the nail on the head, uh, you know, for fans who are looking for an upgrade, looking for that that jump in in hardware yeah. and you know, right. jump in hardware and not necessarily <laughs> software because we want those Switch games, mm-hmm. so you want to still be able to play them, but we just want to play them on a mm-hmm. more quality piece of hardware, essentially. Yep. And Nintendo has a history of baffling upgrades, I'd say. I think the 3DS line was the one that kind yes. of annoyed me the most because I bought the original 3DS and uh, Nintendo saw what was happening. Like, um, it did not work. The 3D didn't work very well. The games weren't like uh, basically six months after Nintendo launched it, close to 300 bucks, I believe, or 250 they lowered the price by a lot, which never happens. And Nintendo then um, gave original 3DS owners some free games. So like, hey, hey, we're sorry. Here's some <laughs> free bad. games that you'll never be able to bring to your other <laughs> systems. I was so annoyed. I was so mad. And then <laughs> then they made the 3DS XL. It's bigger. Then they made the new 3DS, which has a slightly better processor that only like five games ever took advantage of. So Nintendo's history of these sorts of console upgrades are are kind of wild or all over the place. Here's my argument, though. I do think, first of all, OLED itself, an OLED screen is going to be a big upgrade for portable Switch Play. OLED is bolder, um, in some instances brighter. I know, like, overall, when it comes to TVs, OLED isn't as bright as LCDs. But the Switch LCD was never super bright. I always had issues playing that thing outside, uh, certainly in direct sunlight. It just wasn't a very powerful screen, so... 
OLED itself, you know, doesn't have to worry about backlighting, um, has bolder colors. It'll be better for contrast. Um, it's going to look a lot better for outside play and I think be even better in direct sunlight. So I think people are going to appreciate that. The bigger screen to me just looks nice. Um, I cannot wait to get my hands on this thing. Um, but they didn't change anything on the processor side. They confirmed there's no new processor. There's no difference in RAM here. Um, so it's going to perform the same like the other switches. Not necessarily a bad thing, because whenever Nintendo upgrades hardware, they just don't always take advantage of it. And it fractures the marketplace, you know? So you don't want to be in a position where Nintendo has this new OLED switch model or a new model that can't that can only play certain that can play games that other switches can't then things get confusing and things get messy. Um, yeah. So let's let's break down some of the 4K stuff here. I, I do think like, yeah, this isn't a great upgrade for a lot of people, but if you have if you bought a Switch launch day, your thing is getting a little busted. You want a slightly better screen. If you didn't upgrade for that, uh, there was like a stealth upgrade in 2019 when they, yeah, the second gen, they added a more efficient chipset. Uh, that bumped the battery life all the way up to nine hours, this is going to be taking advantage of that too. So you're going to get better battery life than the launch switch, which is nice. Um, and there's 64 gigabytes of onboard storage instead of 32. So a little more usable space there. I, I think for original switch owners um, or new people getting into it, this is kind of the system to buy uh, if you want the best overall experience. But the Switch Lite is still 200 bucks. You, you're going to do really well with that. Let's talk about 4K, though. Like, Patrick, were you excited about the rumors for 4K upscaling on the Switch? Because this is where things get complicated because it's it was never about 4K in portable mode because that would be insane, right? It was about mm-hmm. yeah. potentially 4K when you docked it to your TV. Yeah, and I think the I think the rumor of 4K using, using NVIDIA's yep. sort of DLSS tech to sort of upscale lower resolution stuff, um, I think the rumor was a little too good to be true. Um, because when I think about <laughs> Nintendo, the last thing I think about is, oh yeah, cutting edge graphics, high quality video, uh, uh, things <laughs> like that. Like, honestly, it's the last thing I think about when I think about Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Think about the, the, the Wii and the Wii U. I think the Wii shipped with like component cables and like in a, in a world of HDMI, you know, in a, in a world the, of 4K. I mean, the Wii was pre, it was before everybody had HDTV, so the Wii was what two thousand six, two thousand seven. So it was like in that transition period. Sure. So, but yeah, that was like the last like actual analog cable system, basically. Yeah, Nintendo's never really been in terms of four K, in terms of high def. It's never really been on the on the cutting edge. Right. Um, when I think of Nintendo, the last thing I think is four K, <laughs> is ten eighty p upscaling, things like that, crisp crisp uh, textures. I don't think about that stuff. I think about mm-hmm. having a good time playing a game. Sure. Is it 720p or like, you know, a, a struggling 1080p? Sure. Yeah. 800p. 800p. Scale to, 10, to 1080 somehow. Yeah. People um, don't care. Nintendo players don't care about the Ps. They just I want think, the games to run. I think run. That's, yeah. that's, you know, perfect. That's totally accurate. They don't care about the resolution. And I think that is an element of gaming. <laughs> Nintendo is leaving to the players who can handle it. You know, Microsoft, yep. Sony, you know, your PC, you know, do all your upscaling and high res stuff there. Uh, yep. When you have exactly. a switch, it's about the games. And to be absolutely clear, so I think the rumors were saying like DLSS is NVIDIA's technology we've talked about before, which uses lower resolution textures and then uses like AI processing of a, of a game, like AI renderings basically to mimic what a higher resolution texture would look like. It's gotten so good, to be honest, in PC gaming 
a DLSS upscaled version of a game in 4K often looks better than actually rendering the game at 4K. Like things are getting pretty wild here. And uh, it for a Switch, for a dock Switch, that would just mean your games look a little nicer and a little crisper. Um, you know, you'd have less jagged edges. Uh, it's not going to like upgrade the frame rate or anything like it's it probably won't lead to that although maybe it'll keep you at a more solid 30 fps um but it, it wasn't gonna be like a miracle thing um they were even like rumoring like maybe dlss in portable mode so that the games could even be rendered lower and then still like look nice at 720p in portable that seems like a lot of work and uh you know that seems like new system amounts of work it doesn't seem like a slight refresh to the switch uh what do you think Sherlyn? I mean, I guess, would you guys be excited if something similar came out on, say, if there's still a rumored Switch Pro? Oh, it's going to happen. Like if, We're going to, yeah. So this is this something that would make you guys excited whenever it does happen? I, I'm, a little, I'm a little wary because, you know, we've seen that Nintendo can handle those high-end games. It just does it in a different way. It uses mm-hmm. its sort of streaming tech to stream something like a, you know, control to, yep. your, to your Switch. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was controller or another game. Uh, it's control and a whole bunch of I think Resident Evil. Right yes, now Resident too. Evil yeah. is the other one yeah. I was thinking of. Um, but you know, if if they want those high end games on their console, they can get they can get them there right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. it is in a sort of compromised capacity. You know, you, you get to say. be near internet. You have to hope there's yeah. no lag. Yeah, but it's an option. Whether the, whether the Switch Pro sort of incorporates this uh, Nvidia DLSS, I can see it happening if the benefits yep. sort of outweigh the the cost of, of doing it you know the work that would go into uh into sort of adopting this tech but yeah why not yep absolutely and uh this is where it gets complicated Sherlyn, because you're you're new to the world of consoles now well, yeah i know you're a proud switch owner uh mm-hmm. nintendo and every console company is not ashamed to be like here here's a minor refresh and then one year later give you like a much bigger <laughs> like a refresh update. Yeah. that yeah. oh i just i just paid money for this thing now yeah. i gotta go buy the other thing um yep. yeah that's my b that could easily happen um we could potentially see that 4k upscaling switch pro next year okay. uh, i'm not okay. expect like i don't think we'll get like a switch sequel or anything anytime mm-hmm. soon um because it's just kind of going so strong for nintendo but the other thing is uh we've talked about the global chip shortage and how that's affected yeah. car companies and gpu companies and cpu companies and uh and crib companies don't even yeah baby everybody, product companies everybody. everything <laughs> if nintendo wanted to have dlss they would need a whole new nvidia tegra chip and that's where things get wild because mm-hmm. then you're asking for new hardware for nvidia Nvidia's out here yeah. being like, we can barely produce GPUs right now, bro. What are you, yeah. what are you asking for? I'm not gonna like yeah. supply millions of switches with this new thing. So I, I think the capacity may not even be there mm-hmm. this year. Maybe in a non-pandemic time, Nintendo probably yeah. could have gotten the new hardware out there. We don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, how are you, how are you feeling about these upgrades, Trillin? Does it make you feel like your original, your switch right now? Seems old. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. A couple uh I, I, I want to bring up three things that people on the internet have said yes. about this. And and obviously the internet was ablaze with people and their feels. But I can start with my my own thoughts, right? Uh I don't care. 
<laughs> until you see I it. Truly, until you see until it. Until I look at it. Yeah. I feel like the, the bezels look thin enough to be like, oh, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. girl. I see you skinny now. And then like uh, the other, the, the, the internet was saying, yes, like it, what we've already said throughout this episode so far, right? People really just, a lot of people use the switch nowadays in docked mode. So really an OLED screen doesn't mm-hmm. make a big difference. I, I guess don't, I don't know about that, Shirlin. I, I gotta, yeah. I'm gonna have to check oh, your data oh, over there as well. Because I, everybody, so, well, maybe just, Everybody's just like, all I, I, I do is play Switch in portable mode. Like, I play <laughs> really? Switch in bed. I play all Switch I... on the toilet. Yeah, there's docking I, seems I... like the old school gamer thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm an old school gamer. Hurrah. <laughs> um, okay. The other two things the internet was saying. One, instead of... And one thing that people were asking about was, uh, has it has Nintendo fixed the Joy-Con drift? Mm-hmm. Which is like, how about you give us that too? Like, what could you try to fix that, Nintendo? Nah. I mean, whatever. Yeah. And no, the third well, thing we that haven't people, heard if they're going to fix it, heard. but it is the same Joy-Con technology. Like, it's the same stuff, just like different colors. Yeah. There's a black and white case now and a white dock that I really like. Um, that, yeah. But they haven't fully addressed, the- like, oh, will this fix it? Probably not. Yes. Well, we don't know. Yeah, like we don't know yet. And we'll have to test it out to see if there's a, a difference there. But the last thing is what you just brought up, which is everyone's like, oh, a new color. It's nice. I don't know. Like <laughs> I I actually do like the the white color option. Um, and would that be the thing that makes me buy a new Switch OLED? It wouldn't I be think, the color. No, here, no. Yeah, it wouldn't be the color. Hearing what you guys just said, though, I think I'm more inclined to wait it out and wait sure. for the next year model because if Nintendo is going <laughs> to screw people who buy this model by releasing a new one next year, then I sooner just yeah. wait. I even bought mine secondhand, so <laughs> but I'm good. I, I, let yeah. me just say, Sholin, Nintendo does not screw people. Nintendo blesses us with new choices <laughs> in the marketplace. Oh, and I'm uh, sorry, Lord Nintendo. <laughs> Lord Mario, I, I must like, you know, it's, uh, it, it always feels Bowser. like a gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's secretly Bowser, uh, yeah. President, President yeah. Pikachu, Boss Bowser. Let's do oh, the alliteration. Bowser. I mean, Bowser is <laughs> literally CEO of uh, Nintendo of America, right? So yeah. it's weird how things have kind of gotten here. But yeah, this is, uh, 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 overall, this is a weird... Uh, device right now. Um, there are a mm-hmm. couple other things worth mentioning. It is nice having a bigger kickstand. I, I do think like that little tiny skinny thing they gave us at the beginning was practically useless. You know, like I, I remember trying to set up and run videos of the original Switch when we were reviewing it. It would barely stay on the table if I kicked it a little. Like if I moved the table a little, <laughs> it would go flying. Uh, <laughs> forget about putting a Switch like on a airplane tray or something or anywhere in a car. Like it was just not really functional. So I think that little bit is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Any other like little nice nifty things you guys would upgrade to, to get with this one? Um, I think honestly, the biggest thing might be that kickstand feature. Yeah. For me. Mm. Um, like you said, the last <laughs> one's flimsy, but I think, I think overall, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe offer an unpopular opinion here, but I think this is a big miss for Nintendo mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of, in terms of upgrades. Um, I'm wondering why they didn't add Bluetooth audio. I'm mm. wondering, mm. you know. Well, we we know why they didn't add Bluetooth audio, right? Because the story is the Joy-Cons use Bluetooth to connect to the system. So oh, they cannot be no, like. That's why that sucks. Anyway. Yeah, it, it sucks. Me? It sucks. But the Joy-Cons <laughs> use Bluetooth. So they're mm. like, well, it, it's like you cannot, if you have an Apple TV, you cannot 
you cannot connect Bluetooth remotes like Bluetooth uh, gamepads and a Bluetooth headset at the same time. Yeah. Bluetooth is very yeah. limited. It's really yeah. finicky. So what Nintendo would have to do for a future system is have like a dedicated wireless chip, like their own thing, similar to what Microsoft does with the the Xbox 360, like wireless audio mm-hmm. stuff or the Xbox stuff. Um, so Nintendo would have to fix that in a different way. Um, but that is the reason. You know, that's the reason we're having these Joy-Con problems, to like, partially. And, uh, yeah, it, it stinks. Like, I, I would like simple Bluetooth because that's the way every mobile device works, right? Right. I just think the upgrade as a whole, without without extra processing power, yeah. without, you know, maybe even na- native, you know, 1080p in portable mode, I just think it's it's kind of a missed up. Um, and I get I, – I, actually don't get why they did it because the switch is still selling like hotcakes there i think i think that's why they did it though i think it's because like capitalize yeah yeah, it's uh hey it's 50 bucks more uh oled is getting cheap everybody's using oled screens now everybody wants a bigger screen there are a lot of people out there who've had when did the switch originally come out was that 2017 you know there there are people who've had a switch for a while now and they're like itching for something new so those few people who have the the money and the freedom to go buy this thing, they go buy that. They sell their old Switch. They give it to a family member or something, or they like use it only in their bedroom. It's only good for Nintendo, right? It's not like they're being like, this is our brand new console and our entire business relies on this one thing. Nah, it's, it's just another Fair. piece of the money-making machine. And it's, it's just like they throw it in there and the Switch just keeps printing money. Like that, I feel like that's the only thing. That's the main thing here, right? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might not agree with it, but I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I here. Here's the thing. Like me as a as a troubled Nintendo fan right now. Like I feel constantly abused by this company <laughs> because of these upgrades. Like I, uh, the Game Boy Advance was the first system I ever imported from Japan because I had a high school job and I was able to like get that thing six months early. And it was super cool. And then I was like, there's no backlight. It is really hard to play this yeah. thing at certain points. Like it is there is a push and pull with loving Nintendo products because Nintendo does not always love you back. And this is certainly one of those examples, I think. So Sherlyn, having heard all of this, <laughs> all the upgrades, the pros and cons of being a Nintendo fan, uh, how do you feel about the Switch OLED? I want to say that, Patrick, I don't think what you... Like you said, you had an unpopular opinion, but from what I'm seeing on at least our live chat right now, <laughs> the internet is mad. This, yeah, the, sure. yeah, you're not alone in this. You're in fact very widely supported. It seems people are upset at this thing. <laughs> uh, and like I said earlier, I truly don't. I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna run out and buy a new one soon. I'm like pretty set with my. I barely even touch it until I fly to places again on long haul like trips. You know, I don't think out of docked mode, you know, the switch is going to appeal to me. So I'm, I'm not disappointed, mm-hmm. but kind of enjoying y'all's disappointment. Just being like, hey, <laughs> oh yeah. Yum. You're an Android user. You're used to uh widespread <laughs> wow. disappointment. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yes. Excuse me. I now Ooh. have, I will tell you all the iPhones. So you don't do. even you do. get me. <laughs> I know it's uh you're slowly coming over to the dark side. It's uh it's, it's incredible to watch Patrick. No. Any big takeaways here? Like to me, this feels like this is one of those devices that nobody actually needs, but I absolutely want because I'm a sure. big OLED fan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think, I think the, I think any console upgrade is going to be appealing because there's always going to be one thing that attracts mm-hmm. you to it, you know, and you know, we are, 
you know, we are attracted to the newest thing, you know, the Mm -hmm. smallest upgrade, the shiny things that appeal to us. Um, I, as somebody who uses his switch a lot, you know, I play a few times a week. I love Mm -hmm. it. I have no desire to upgrade really because I'm getting a kick out of it still after, after all these years. Um, I kind of wish Nintendo would address other issues like Joy-Con drift, which I am currently Mm -hmm. suffering from. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, issues like uh, their online service, which is kind of middling compared Mm -hmm. to the competition. Um, Mm -hmm. There there are definitely other things to address to make the platform experience better, more intuitive, more friendly, um, Mm -hmm. rather than introducing a new new skew to the market. Um, I -hmm. definitely understand why they did it. I was talking to a friend who I you know, let play my switch. And she's like, Oh, this mm. is like the gateway console because after I let her play it, she, yeah. she talks about games all the time now. So uh-huh. I get, I get why, you know, I get is your wh- friend me. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me check her name is. Yeah. Sherlyn. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Uh, um, but like, I see why Nintendo would refresh something as iconic, as popular as, you know, relatively inexpensive as a switch compared to the competition. But mm-hmm. I think if you're already a switch owner, eh, there's no, there's no reason right. to get all hyped about it. Just wait till next year or probably two mm-hmm. years at this point. Just to like round things up. Uh, hey, folks, normalize giving away your old consoles. There are kids <laughs> in your life. There are kids in your neighborhood that could probably use a Switch. I, yeah. I feel like that's part of it, too. So I, I'm big into like just sharing, sharing my toys sometimes. It's like this is also my excuse to upgrade to do things over and over again. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> cousin bro neighbor down the street you know like sure. this is um somebody i can like i can give some new hardware and it'll get some new life and some new appreciation for nintendo it's another vector for more digital purchases mm. so like it's nintendo wins nintendo is like just king god king of the gaming world uh all praise nintendo so patrick lucas austin thank you so much for joining us on the engadget podcast to break down the switch where can people find your work on the internet Yo, thanks for having me. Um, I am the tech columnist at Time Magazine, so you can go to time.com and read everything there. We've got a lot of good stuff, not just tech, but the tech is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I've I heard of Time, can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a it's a website with a magazine on the side. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but you can you can find me on, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever at PatBits, P-A-T-B-I-T-S, uh, where I am offering my thoughts about everything, including the upcoming Neon Genesis Evangelion movie. Yes. Coming out uh, next month. Very yes. excited. <laughs> Very excited. You and Devinder are going to enjoy that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Patrick. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, a crazy thing happened this week. We've been hearing about uh, this long battle between Microsoft and Amazon over the Department of Defense's $10 billion Jedi contract. The whole point of it is to basically modernize the Pentagon's uh, IT infrastructure, you know, get some cloud bases in there, get better security, basically just make it more modern. Um, The Pentagon awarded that contract to Microsoft in 2019. And we thought all was done. You know, we thought that these companies pitching each other and, you know, really fighting for this thing was done. Then Amazon filed a lawsuit (laughs) saying... The government uh, unfairly awarded this to Microsoft because uh, I think the main thing was like they were claiming that uh, then President Donald Trump um, basically 
push this thing towards Microsoft because of his hate towards Amazon uh, and its founder, Jeff Bezos. So that was the the big thing. And it's been kind of like in legal. It's, it's been going back and forth since then. So this week, the Department of Defense was like, no, just no, we're, we're done fighting. This is this is really annoying. I just want a better IT system for my Pentagon. Um, so they canceled this entire contract. They announced a new contract, a new thing that's going to do um, a, a bit of upgrading. It's not the full thing. That's called the Joint Warfighter Cloud Capability, JWCC, not as catchy as Jedi. And they're saying they're going to they're going to tap both Microsoft and Amazon for pitches for this contract. So it's a way to like stop the baby, like stop the slap fight, but also yep. give both companies another chance to like come back at it. It's like it. a redo. Right, it's a redo sort of that of. pitch process. But they're they're the also saying this is sort of like a uh, a temporary thing until they come up with like a better bigger contract for what they actually need. So it's kind of messy. Um, but yeah, this is something we, we have to modernize our infrastructure, certainly our defense department infrastructure, because cyber, uh, security is a bigger thing. We are seeing, uh, we're seeing, um, hacks from foreign states and, you know, random vectors and hacker groups are becoming a bigger and bigger thing. They're starting to affect us businesses. They are shutting down pipelines, you know, here, yeah. like there's, there's bad things happening. So they have to modernize. This is just where we're at. It's kind of like um, saying, okay, nobody nobody can play with this toy. We're going to build something new so you could both share and play with it a little. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on the show line. It's just like a funny thing and one of those remnants yeah. of, uh, of the like Trump administration and maybe some of the pettiness around that too because – what what can they do? They can't really, the DOD can't really, um, they did an investigation into the Trump yep, administration. Saw, yeah. Right. And people no wouldn't cooperate properly. So they couldn't really right. tell if they actually influenced right. the deal. Um, it is mm-hmm. a crazy thing. But I think another sign of mm-hmm. just like, what a wild four years we just lived through. And now we're just trying mm-hmm. to like pick up the pieces from all of it. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on this, Sherlyn. I think uh, our producer, Ben, was pretty obsessed yeah. with finding out why it's named Jedi and whether it was know. licensing requirements. Now, just to be clear, Jedi stands for Joint Enterprise uh-huh. Defense Infrastructure. So not too far off from Joint Warfighter Clout Contract mm. or what it was. The it, was a much, with, uh, it, it is an acronym we all know, right? Yeah, yeah, cloud mm-hmm. capability. Uh, so instead of it's joint warfighter, instead of Jedi, uh, which still has that same like space fighting connotation to sure. it. Uh, fun. I don't know whoever's naming these contracts or, or uh, you know, it's probably having a lot of fun, but nowhere else in this is anyone yeah. having fun. It was. I, I don't think we ever heard like, hey, was Lucasfilm okay with them calling it Jedi? <laughs> uh, because when it's Motorola had its droid phones, its Android oh, yeah. phones, oh, yeah. there was always that little thing there's a small text at the bottom droid is a license you know droid is a trademark right. of lucasfilm and they basically had to license that name just to have uh, droid um jedi feels like it would be the same brand. thing but i don't know right. we never know but but out of this yeah i'm I, i'm left with a lot of kind of questions mm-hmm. that i don't know we if we have answers to like so like what's going on with the cloud stuff for the government right now like what's uh being done to secure it you know there's a lot i mean there there were also stories going around of like the fbi and cia and other folks like using ancient systems like using right because their it departments were not fully 
up to snuff. Um, I think even exactly. into the 2000s, they were using systems that still relied on floppy disks and things like that. Man, so, you man. know, we, we've got a lot to work to do. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this because it's certainly a big story. There's just a lot we don't know right now. And in some ways, old tech is more secure, actually, like super Absolutely. old tech. But 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 yeah, we have to keep an eye on this. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> more news uh, in the people fighting each other front. Uh, mm-hmm. 37 states now have launched mm. an antitrust suit against Google over the Play Store. Now, this is a familiar story. Um, basically, we've heard similar uh, cases of either companies like Epic, right, uh, being upset at companies like Google and Apple over their app stores. Uh, you know, requiring them to use certain payment processing methods, right, like right. in-house payment processing methods. So this is sort of more of the same. Um, the case filed with lots and lots of states, including New Jersey, New York, Utah, etc., um, alleges a few things. One that, like, you know, Google is unlawfully running Android as a monopoly. The mm-hmm. App Store closes out other people. Um. Uh, closes the Android app distribution market uh, to competitors. And then the fact that like Play Stores come uh, pre-installed on a lot of Android devices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now we've seen mm-hmm. uh, Google take or receive such complaints before in the past. This is a big, big antitrust suit, though. This is yeah, 37 yeah. states. This, is, this, this is Google saying, pointing at iOS me like, ah! What? Yeah, yeah. Look at look at this Straight locked, <laughs> secure thing where you can't do anything, and you're you're coming at us. Um, I don't know if you yeah, recall the- this, Sherlyn, from your childhood yeah. or infancy. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, but the <laughs> the Microsoft Internet Explorer antitrust stuff in the late '90s was also about, hey, this internet seems important. And the fact that you have a browser built into your operating system and that you can easily kill competition for Netscape and other things, you had to pay for yep. Netscape. I remember paying 30 yes, bucks for Netscape yeah. Navigator in like in the oh, late man. 90s, um, yeah. whereas Internet Explorer was just there and just free. Uh, how could anybody compete with that? This feels like a similar thing, right? The The app economy is the new Internet, basically. Yeah. I mean, look, I... Okay, Google published a blog post in response, right? Mm -hmm. Google's Wilson White, Senior Director of Public Policy, uh, said in their blog post that it's strange that a group of state attorneys general chose to file a lawsuit attacking a system that provides more openness (laughs) and choice than others. This complaint mimics a similarly meritless lawsuit filed by the large app developer Epic Games, which has benefited from Android's openness. So... It's, that's what you're saying where it like point is pointing fingers at like how about apple apple is the only yeah. way like you yeah. can you know we, the we are the apple most open the of way. the walled gardens yeah right right and uh I, again we've talked about this in past episodes where you you have again rightly brought up microsoft i just i'm imagining microsoft just sitting back and laughing just going oh yeah Haha, now you have to deal with it there, there are some benefits to not being the biggest in the world of yes. a particular flat platform, and that is uh, antitrust doesn't like lock onto you. Uh, right, I think Google right. has a lot of stuff to to figure out here. I think that's also partially why Microsoft, when they announced what the Microsoft Store updates are going to be for Windows 11, they were like, "Hey, uh, you can you could 
bring your own like app stores you could bring your own you know payment processors we won't take any money like it is funny how microsoft is taking the opposite tack because uh (laughs) nobody uses the microsoft store so they can afford to be like hey sure do whatever you want just please come come to us come to our platform I, I mean, look, this is mm-hmm. another one of those situations that's going to be ongoing, that's going to be going on for a while, and we're going to have to keep an eye on sure. it. But will this change very much <laughs> a lot of things that are you know currently in existence? I highly doubt it. I don't know about you, Devendra. It's going to be an ongoing story. Think? It's not going to change anything, yeah. but I do think like Epic certainly was a company kind of pushing this for a while. Don't forget they took Fortnite off the Play Store you know, a couple of years ago. They tried to make it a sideload only thing. Uh, and mm. they realized nobody was doing that. So they, they mm-hmm. I believe they put it back on. But now there are also stories going around about Google moving away from like open APKs. And that's like something we have to dig deeper in because it sounds like they're thinking of turning app installs basically into a, a closed package similar to iOS, right? So it's not going to be a free yeah. for all moving forward. We're going to have to talk more about that down the line because I'm interested yeah. to know what you think there, Shalin. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have to, whenever that all develops, We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye out. Let's move on to uh, something fun and cool <laughs> that I ended up covering this week. And this is uh, BMW's futuristic electric scooter, the CE04, which looks like it's pulled straight out of anime. And uh, I kind of I kind of love this thing. Last year, <laughs> we saw a concept vehicle um, also called the CE04. It looked similar, but that one like had more paneling. It didn't have mirrors like it looked like an actual Robocop prop. Whereas this one just looks like, man, I would I would love to have like a little electric bike that I could take around a city if I lived in a functioning city. Um, this thing uh, charges like an electric car, could charge over a normal power cable or an EV charging cable, has a top speed mm-hmm. of 75 miles per hour, uh, up to 81 miles of range. Like this thing is just really is a nice looking electric scooter. It has a big screen has a 10.25 inch LCD screen to help with navigation and like phone updates, uh, phone notifications and things like that. Just looks nice. Um, But maybe I just want to live in like a future, a future like Blade Runner world where I have an electric bike. Do you, I know you don't drive Sherlin, but would you be into an electric scooter here? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this looks more tricked out than like a, any electric scooter right. is not like a Vespa. It's not Vespa like it's has an electric scooter looking. that costs seven thousand right. dollars. This one could cost around sixteen thousand. So right, so more yeah. than twice the price. Yeah. But this one looks a lot beefier. Like you said, it it's almost like a the Tesla electric truck thing that we saw, mm-hmm. like the Cyber Truck. In don't terms don't of you its, dare! Like, this thing has I know, curves I know, and I know. like <laughs> actual nice lines. But it also has angles. It yeah. also has these like. Cybertruck is just like a, a triangle with wheels, and I hate it. <laughs> okay, I hate it. this is yeah. This is certainly not a just a triangle with wheels. Uh-huh. Well, well, we describe it better to you, dear listener. But maybe you should just look at the pictures. Go look at the photos. Uh, check um, out the, the videos too, because um, and the write up. BMW is really hilarious, like catalog style write up. Like I wake up in the morning, look out over my city. I unhook my CEO four electric motorcycle and feel the morning breeze on my face. Um, it is very much that. It's hilarious. To 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 be clear, it's CE zero four. CE zero four. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, because also, what a boss name, CEO. Like, all right, okay, I mean, you're the boss. I'm pretty now. sure everybody would say CEO four just because yeah. it's easier. Because yeah, exactly. 
right? Like you would just, but but it's not mm-hmm. it's not like de- exactly CEO, but maybe BMW knew what it was doing, naming this a CE04. <laughs> maybe one day we'll get to the CE007. Mm-hmm. You know? But, but uh, it certainly say- looks like. I'm I'm getting more and more interested in these things. Um, I'm testing out an electric bike right now. You know, like a, a pedal okay. bike uh, from uh, right. I forget the company. Uh, testing out an electric bike right now, and it is very nice to have like that kick of extra power when you're going uphill mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I could I could totally see this. I think motorcycles are super dangerous. I would never take something like this on a highway, but mm. in a around a city, you know, and for yeah. simple driving like this, this seems fun. Well, I mean, speaking of fun products that, uh, <laughs> geez, were launched this year, I'm going to start with uh-huh. Sony, uh, which brought us new next speakers this week. Uh, remember, we've we've seen these sort of necklace style, not even necklace style. They're not necklace style. They're there's this like curved bar that sits on your neck, like a little tentacle mm-hmm. that's like constantly vaguely massaging your uh-huh, shoulders. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a uh, it's borderline creepy if you if you want to think about it that way, but it's also just basically like an open speaker system yeah. that will project sound the right under speaker. your ears. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, it's supposedly the this this new model is called the in in Sony classic Sony fashion, <laughs> uh, beautiful names like SRS dash NB one zero or NB ten. Um, and it's supposed to cost $150 when it goes on sale later this year. And, and and Sony said it's designed with remote workers in mind. So like, you know, if you're working from home or whatever and you need a speaker and you don't happen to have an audio system. And you or don't have TV, earbuds or headphones or the or things yeah, everybody has right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then then <laughs> use this to play music. I, I totally thought this yeah. through. Listen, guys, a couple of weeks ago, I read an article about will Sony ever get its groove back? You know, and I look at products like this and be like, what the hell are you no, doing? Nobody wants answer. this. What problem are you solving here? What is who in their to, right mind here. allows this to actually come to market? This is an experiment. <gasps> sure. In a back room. And then you laugh at the person oh. who came up with it. It's not something you release to the public. What are you doing? It's for the it's for the people who for the very specific case where you're at home, uh-huh. you do not have speakers or you don't want speakers to bother your your spouse or your partner or whatever. No, th- this will bother you because everybody noise. hears it. Everybody it is a right. Yeah. supposedly is supposed to be for your ears alone, no. right? Supposedly, Sony's wording is like, this will project sound upwards into just your ears and no one else's, but obviously anyone near you will I don't. hear it. It's, it sounds... Okay, so I tested the, the last model of this thing, mm-hmm. and it was a goddamn nightmare. I hated it <laughs> so much. Like, I... It is one of those things that's very Sony. Like, it... Uh, at first, it was like a big collar around my neck it was a little heavy like heavier than i wanted i felt like a cow like just being collared by sony it didn't support bluetooth it had like this little control box i had to like plug in a line-in connection or an optical connection because they initially developed it for tv watching so that you would (laughs) plug it into your tv and have this collared speaker around your neck the speaker which is sounded fine but was loud enough to fill your entire house so everybody was just hearing what you were hearing it was the dumbest thing I've seen come out of Sony in a very long time. And this looks like, okay, they made, they made, they made some changes. It's a little smaller, slimmer. Yeah. It supports Bluetooth. Yeah. Like everything should. Wow. It supports Bluetooth like yeah. an actual modern product. Um, but no, no, what? Nobody wants this. 
please tell me if you actually do want a caller next speaker, uh, <laughs> shoot us email at podcastinggadget.com yeah. and tell us what you're going to do with that. And I'll give please. you so many other better alternatives for your life. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, speaking of a potentially better alternative, uh, remember the company called Nothing? No. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's it's uh, founded by former or, or OnePlus co-founder Carl Pei and uh, finally launched its first product after lots and lots of teasing. We already kind of knew, I guess, that the first product coming out of it would be earbuds and mm-hmm. they've revealed uh, that basically this first product's called the Ear One. <laughs> Again, great name all around. Just nothing. Ear one, SB, N10, whatever. Anyhow, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the the big uh, feature or the big news about the ear one is that it will offer three microphone active noise cancellation for just 99 pounds or also approximately 99 US dollars. Uh, uh, it's not clear if that's just the, yeah. the retail price. I don't think that math works out just correctly like that. But um. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice price for three mic and C. Um, but it's also not as cheap as, like, you know, the dozens of options of true wireless earbuds out there if you're not looking at, like, premium and C. So that's, uh, in addition to that, too, the, the earbuds themselves have a transparent case, so you can see all the components in them, which... <laughs> Cool beans, I guess. Is this something Uh, that will be sold outside of China? We, I mean, uh, it's to me clear that Europe is on the list for them because of the the 99 pound pricing. Yeah, Yeah, but um, it's not yet clear if it's going to come to the US. Uh, Nothing, since it's not really even launch anything for real, for real just yet. We're not sure kind of what their strategy is. You know what I think about this, Sherlyn? Go ahead. Nothing. Hey, speaking of speaking of nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> you know who's burgers. trying to make something yeah. of themselves? Qualcomm wants you to remember that it makes mobile chips because what well, with all these companies like Samsung making its own Exynos, Google rumored to be working on its own Whitechapel, mm-hmm. Apple making its own Silicon, and Xiaomi and more out of Asia also working on their own chipsets. Qualcomm foothold in the mobile chipset space might kind of be Mm -hmm. closing up but anyhow it wants you to remember that hey it makes the snapdragon 888 it's a very powerful chip so today at exactly 11 a.m eastern so five minutes before we uh before we're talking about it recording Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um the embargo lifted and Qualcomm announced that asus that is teamed up with asus to make a smartphone with the Snapdragon 888, but also with a lot of different Snapdragon technologies. And it's supposedly targeting people in the Snapdragon Insiders program. All those people. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, hey, all 1.6 million of them, apparently. 1.6 million of you signed up for the Snapdragon Insiders program. Um, But it's also going to be available to the public at the same time in August. And it'll cost fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> now, for that, uh-huh. the 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 phone. By the way, we were talking about great names this episode. Hey, this phone is called the smartphone for Snapdragon Insiders. <sighs> I swear to God, that's literally the name. Yeah. So anyhow, what features does it have? Okay, a six point seven inch. 6.78 inch AMOLED display from Samsung. Nice. Uh, with a 144 hertz 
144. 144 hertz refresh rate. That yeah, is 144. Way nice. more than you need on a phone. But, but okay. Yes. Okay, bro. Sure. Yeah. Up to 1,200 nits of brightness, HDR10 and 10 Plus certified, three rear cameras <laughs> with a 64 megapixel main, 12 megapixel ultra wide, and 8 megapixel telephoto. 24 megapixel front camera, yeah. AI auto zoom. Can shoot up to 8K is, video. Does it have yep. like terabytes of storage to hold, hold all this video and 64 Let's, megapixel photo? <sighs> so I don't even, I can't even find, I, I'll, I'll go look at the storage in a little I see, bit. I see but, 512 uh, like, gigabytes of storage in our in our specs, it, 16 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do, that's a lot of storage for a phone, but that's not much if you're going to be taking a lot not of 64 megapixel photos in 8K video. What? Yeah. 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 Plus, also, uh, now that price is steep. Mm-hmm. But one of the things about this phone is that, according to Qualcomm, it's the first phone or one of the first to support its Snapdragon Sound <laughs> uh, platform, which has things like low Bluetooth latency, different listening profiles, active noise cancellation, blah blah blah. Uh, and so the phone has stereo speakers to to kind of show off this uh, mm-hmm. platform technology. But it also comes with a pair of master and dynamic true wireless active noise cha- uh, canceling earbuds. So I guess you can think of the price as slightly more worth it or cheaper if you include. Like, I mean, those are like $200. maybe $150 headphones or yeah. earbuds, maybe yeah. 200 Yeah, that's not a huge right. chunk of this price. So it's still kind of a $1,200 phone with $200 earbuds in them. Now, uh, 4,000 milliamp hour battery in there. Look. If you're a Snapdragon insider, you probably care a lot about specs. And there's plenty of, like, numbers here that might seem impressive on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it will run Android 11, by the way. And Qualcomm still hasn't said about its, like, plans to support upgrades over the air and how many years it will support and that sort of thing. How quickly you will get Android 12. Um, so... Don't think of this as kind of a commercial phone. I would think of this as a pretty niche phone Sure. For, I don't even. I don't even. It's, think it's, it's like, like those like prototypes. Uh, you know, right. Qualcomm would occasionally build to show off. Like, hey, this is reference what a phone designs, would look like. Yeah. yeah, reference design that has all of our stuff. Here's one you can actually buy. That's kind of cool, I guess. But uh, this brings to mind like a bigger question to me: Is spec chasing even worth it on phones? Like, what does it matter if you have a slightly faster processor or a 144 hertz display versus maybe a 90 hertz display, which would still look pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. Like I under always Mm -hmm. understood it on the PC side because on the PC side, you could do a lot, right? You could play serious games. It could help you with rendering video. It could help you with like doing actual stuff. I Mm -hmm. don't understand. Like, what are you going to do with 16 gigabytes of Ram on your phone? Congratulations, I guess, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Look, you're talking to someone, aka me, uh-huh. who has spent the better part of the last year using a Pixel 4a. I know. As her main driver. Which, like, it's good enough. It's I don't need enough. a high-end chipset with 800 gigs of RAM. No, okay, fine. <laughs> this thing has, like, I, a 6 gigs of RAM, I think. Um, and, and it's enough. I mean, look, if you use your phone to, I don't know, pop it into a dock and then turn it into some sort of Samsung DeX setup, which is horrible, but, you know, some people love it, then fine. Maybe you do need that power and RAM. Maybe for your your multitasking like crazy. But I agree with Devendra in the sense that, like, spec chasing to a point can get too much, especially if it starts to cost you upwards of $1,200. Buy a computer! 
Buy a gaming PC Perfect for $1,500. Yeah. What are you doing? Go play some actual um, games. Like, I also, I don't know what the point of a 144 hertz screen is on mobile just because, yeah, I, I know there are a lot of MOBAs. Yeah. There are a lot of, like, you know, games are really fast paced, but I want, you know, a better than 60 hertz is certainly nice, but you get a lot of smoothness with 90 hertz, to be honest, or even yeah. 120. I don't see the need to, like, start doing gaming screen stuff. But anyway, this isn't a phone Anyhow. for really many people, but it exists. So that's cool. It's been, yeah, it's yeah. been your week of weird little niche gadgets like this, a uh, little roundup of weird little niche, niche gadget mm-hmm, news here mm-hmm. uh, on Engadget. Speaking of like weird week, uh, one thing I just want to me- mention really quickly, uh, news broke this week that Donald Trump is suing Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, uh, a class action complaint saying they right. uh, violated his First Amendment rights. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time with this because this is mm-hmm. uh, classic Trump stuff of just like announcing something that will probably go nowhere. We know legally yep. this he can't claim First Amendment rights from no private recourse. companies. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Companies that kicked him off for being, um, you know, uh, for violating their rules and for inciting mm-hmm. violence uh, when he mm-hmm. was freaking president. Uh, no, yeah, it's not illegal to kick him off of a private service for that. Um, but it really, it is more about the messaging. Um, we're already seeing him try to fundraise for this. Um, mm. You know, it makes good political sense because it's another grievance he can rally people around uh, with. But yeah, I don't expect this lawsuit to go nowhere because it really has nowhere to go. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Shalin, what's up with you? I have some fun behind the scenes, a fun behind the scenes story that I'm working on that will go up next week. You guys will see it on Engadget.com. And then, you know, just all the secrets and embargoes forever until on repeat until I fall asleep. How about you, Dev? Uh, I mean, there, there's so much happening. I've been trying to review the HTC Vive headsets for weeks now. And every week something new happens. So it's like last oh, week it was like tell me about all it. the OS betas. Like, okay, I guess I got to test yep. right up and do videos on this. And this week I was gearing up. I was like, I'm going to start writing this review. The new Nintendo Switch gets announced. So I'm like, okay, I guess I got to make it make a video and yeah. write about yeah. what that is. Um, and then we have to prep the podcast. Yeah. Right. I had to finish a review. I was like, I'm either going to stay up till 1 a.m. to finish this or I'm never going to finish this. So I just freaking just finished my Fitbit Watch um, review. I so just yeah, look look forward to my VR stuff eventually, folks. We are we are kind of like just uh, a little underwater here and there's always too much stuff yeah. to do. So uh, I will I will get to it soon. But uh, the Vive Focus 3, just want to say it's a, it's a nice little thing, but it's not really meant for consumers. So we'll, I'll talk more about that soon. Um, let's move on to our pop culture picks. What are you digging this week, Sherlyn? Yeah, so I was super annoyed this week when I kept, well, not this week, this past weekend, mm-hmm. when I kept getting pings from Amazon about like, hey, a new show. Watch on this Prime dumb Video. movie. Yeah. Yeah, this dumb movie, The Tomorrow War. And then I read the synopsis. I was like, fine, I'll add it to my watch list. <laughs> they got you. I, I ended up, yeah, I, they did. I mean, the synopsis mm-hmm. was good. It was a Chris Pratt movie. I was like, this is a great, like a big blockbustery movie from mm-hmm. Amazon. And I haven't seen them do something like that, I think, in a while. So I was like, okay, might as well. I'm always looking for something to watch. So The Tomorrow War starring Chris Pratt on Amazon Prime Video. I actually really enjoyed it. Now, by no means is this like a masterfully produced movie, like a tour de force or yeah. whatever. It is just a fun like sci-fi alien flick but plus time traveling plus explosions plus to me what seemed like wwf style (laughs) spectacle near the end it was really ridiculous that last two Mm -hmm. to 
five minutes was amazingly ridiculous. Like, it was just like, whoa, I, uh, I went from, oh my God, oh my God, to like, ha 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 ha, you loser at some point. It was, I, I enjoyed it. I think the, <laughs> the pacing was fun, like was engaging enough for me to follow. I don't know what, I, I don't know if you've seen it, Devendra. And I've I know not, you, I've you, seen the trailers. It's I like, like I was, I was busy over the last weekend, like watching good stuff. Right. There was so much good stuff happening. Okay. I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but I saw people like ragging on the tomorrow war on Twitter being like, yeah, it's dumb fun, but man, is it so dumb? I did see the trailer yeah. and, it is bad when a movie trailer um, like brings up all the obvious <laughs> plot holes for what a movie is trying to do. Uh, in this movie, it is people from the future coming to grab people yes. from the past to fight a war in the future. And I'm just thinking, yeah, this got to be you figured out time travel before you could figure out ways to, to kick these aliens asses. Like, yeah. are you <laughs> That's shouldn't, not even go- <laughs> shouldn't we shouldn't we fix the alien problem in the past well, so, rather than bringing so- people to the future? To die? Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. Now, no spoilers. <laughs> so one thing they did was like one of the reasons they give you, this is not a spoiler. One uh-huh. of the reasons is the reason they had to come back to the past to recruit people to fight in the future mm-hmm. is because they, I don't think they believe in like parallel realities or something or they like. But yeah, they don't believe in their, parallel timelines. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've, I've they heard. believe in their parallel reality dying if they don't do something about the people this there. So like they believe up. that this is so if they up. fix it. Right. Anyhow. Please um, come die for our timeline. A yeah, timeline exactly. which does not matter to you. But Yeah, and people actively go and die for it. Anyhow, but <laughs> but people in the future have been wiped out by it's these tired aliens. Tired of these future people. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So so but the the look, the science is kind of strange. <laughs> the the way they have time travel working in there is also kind of odd. I'm just like, yeah, Devinja's right. Why don't you just fix I kept asking, screaming at the screen, going like, just go back and fix it. F- fix or so, let so, the people in the past fix the problem so they don't have right. to worry about aliens in the future. Mm. Anyway, anyway. One of the yeah, yeah. Anyhow, but I had fun despite all of that because <laughs> There's some like there's I mean again like it's a father daughter story at its heart so I think Devinter you might like that and then sure. there's but but that part's also a little bit annoying sometimes so I don't know I'm, a, I'm also then- like not fully sold on Chris Pratt anymore as a as an action star Aww. like I think he's a good in Guardians because it gets to his goofiness mm. but all yeah. the Jurassic Park stuff like all the stuff he's done since uh, the serious since Guardians stuff, like, the not serious even serious like Jurassic Park stuff. is him trying to be basically Indiana Jones with dinosaurs and I hated that like I hate his character mm. so anyway right. let's uh let, yeah. let, let, let's let's move on one thing I think we can agree yeah. on is a good slasher movie and I think Fear yeah. Street Part 1 1994 which is on Netflix right now it's an adaptation of the R.L. Stein Fear Street books um yep. I think this is really good I really enjoyed this. I um, yeah, had a harder time with it. I watched it too. Uh-huh. I think it's just I don't enjoy teenage angst a lot, so that, wow. that, that's part of it to me. Yeah, really. I mean, you're like you're yeah. you're five years away from Berlin. I mean, I, I feel like you still uh, be feeling that teenage angst. I don't know. I am. That's this why is a joke I can't. Because I relate is not too much. Five years away from it. Yeah. <laughs> but go on it's a really good i mean i enjoy the fear it's really it. good like the, it's really fun yeah. like it is a self-aware slasher movie it sort of like builds on I, I think it is like the closest to building on scream 
that we've gotten mm-hmm. uh, yeah. since, since that yeah. movie came out. It actually has the same it's composer. So Marco Beltrami does the score. And so it sounds like Scream at a certain point. Mm-hmm. There is like a skull face guy running around, but it knows yep. what it's yep. doing, which I think is really smart. Uh, even the opening scene, which is just like, hey, we're going to do a Scream. OK. And you're yep. all like, oh, OK, I've been here. I know what this is like. I like smart movies that know, like, don't treat me dumb as as an audience mm-hmm. member and, you know, you know, does really cool and interesting things with the genre. I think uh, Lee Janiak, who directed this and also the two follow up movies, it's a really cool concept. Uh, they shot all three movies at the same time. So sort of like a TV show, basically, like she just shot a continuous TV show, except they're separate movies set in different timelines. I believe the other one is like in the 60s or 70s. And then the that one is going to be airing later this week. Um and then the the other one, no. And then the it's all like it was it was supposed to get theaters. Like they were supposed to be like one per month in the summer at theaters, and they just weren't couldn't do that. Um, the final one's gonna be in like sixteen sixty six. And these movies are about like a a witch that's been haunting and cursing a town, and yep. is like Sarah the, Fear. Yeah, it is the uh, driving force behind uh, serial killers and you know b- big crazy things happening. I really like the characters in this movie. I think it's really funny. I like the music drops. Um, I like the style of it. The kills are really interesting. And I'm not even like a big like horror movie kills guy. Like I, I just think yeah, like me neither. some of the things they did here are really cool. Uh, people die that I didn't expect to die. You know, like this movie mm-hmm. surprised me at many, many points, which, uh, hey, that's really hard to do in 2021 mm-hmm. after I've seen so many <laughs> horror movies. So Definitely check it out. I think you'd have a lot of fun with it, everybody. One other thing I want to mention, uh, maybe similar to the Tomorrow War, except uh, real, <laughs> except the actual war we're going to be fighting for oh, the future no. is uh, oh. is The Ministry for the Future, a novel by Kim Stanley Robinson that I've been reading. Oh, okay. Kim Stanley Robinson is one of my favorite like speculative fiction, you know, science fiction writers. He writes uh, big sci-fi stories that are based in reality uh, using real science, actually. And the Ministry for the Future just feels like he is angry. He is just Mm. so pissed off about our inability to do anything around climate change. Uh, This book is full-on climate horror. You know, it is is just about death. I kind of like that. Well, I don't know. I think it would be really depressing because it is kind of a hard read. Uh, Uh, It is about relentless death it's about what's going to happen to us as a, mm. as a society it's about countries in the world signing to the paris climate agreement and not following through with it and how that leads to inevitable death for the poor countries all around the world specifically mm. india starting with india um it is horrific but also so real that man it feels like a roadmap for the future it feels like a roadmap for the next couple of decades so to me that is mm. kind of terrifying but i hope people read this and um just absorb like what what it's kind of saying and going through because I do think like our the big future tomorrow war we have to fight is climate change and I also know apparently that's a part of that movie um but climate change is the thing that we that is going to destroy us all if we don't any, honestly do something about it so read this book it is terrifying uh it is if you remember the scene in Terminator 2 the Sarah Connor mm-hmm. dream sequence where she is just holding the chain link fence, watching the kids play and then a nuclear bomb goes off and everybody gets roasted. Um, reading this book is like watching that scene over and over again on repeat for hours. So it is horrific, but uh, I feel like some people may have my sensibilities when it comes to like 
really tough things and difficult things. This is the stuff we should be reading. This is the stuff we should be assigning in schools for kids to, like, you know, understand about what's happening. Because it's real science, just extrapolating into the future. It's terrifying, but I think you should all read it. And also check out all of Kim Stanley Robinson's books. I love his work. Uh, that's the Ministry for the Future. And that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and at the Slash Filmcast movie podcast at SlashFilm.com. If you want to send me great alien movies and time travel movies, but not both of them together, mm. you can hit me up on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation.